um, but last week we were looking at this whole concept of uh, showing others the way, you know, manifesting the pastoral heart of God. And I want to tie that in today. So if you missed it, go back and re-listen so you'll understand more of where I'm coming from this morning. But I want to tie that in to the, the reality of God's heart for discipleship, which means literally becoming a learner. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus when I was an athlete at the University of South Carolina like a hundred years ago. Um, there was this moment, and now I recognize it as the grace of God, where out of my mouth I said, God, I want to always keep my heart open to learn from you. Just never allow me to be deceived. That was my prayer. And he's answered that prayer. So there's, there, you know, either our hearts close up because we're fearful of being blown around with every wind of doctrine, which I understand. I don't think that's healthy. But if you say, God, I want to keep my heart open and I'm trusting you that you're going to guide me into all truth, then you're able to navigate, you know, this journey called life that, that, that we're, we're growing in the ways of God, you know, and, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that, that we're all in process as we're learning and coming to understand the Lord. You know, some of the early day messages that we have on cassette, they're not up online. Can I get an amen? They're on cassette somewhere. I'm glad they're archived in the history books for no one to have access to them. Because a lot of the stuff that I was, you know, talking about back then, same heart, same passion, same, all of those kind of things. But, there, but there's been maturity in my journey in coming to understand who God is and who we are, who I am, who the church is, right? And I think we're all on that journey. So, so I want to just kind of kick off there and, and, and let's, let's today, uh, process together this whole reality of us being these learners, you know, in the presence of God. Because to be a learner, how many of you know that you first have to be willing to receive from somebody else? And that sounds so simple, but it's really profound. If you can't receive, you're going to have a very hard time learning. But it's, it's bigger than that, right? Like, I mean, we're going to look into some really powerful truth today. But how many of you know, man, we can see that truth, even understand it, and maybe not necessarily see it manifesting in our life. And we can get discouraged. But um, that discouragement doesn't have to be our portion as we're in 2018, especially if we're able to share our life with other people. Being a learner is being able to share your life. I mean, you know that we're never created and called to walk in isolation. Coming to church, oh, wow, that's amazing revelation, and then go home and be discouraged during the week because what Pastor Darren or Samuel or whoever talked about, Julie, Grant, whoever it is up here teaching, wow, I'm just not seeing that right now, and I'm, I'm so shameful of the fact that I'm not seeing that in my own life. I'm so discouraged. I'm going to remain isolated because I'm afraid to really share this with anybody else. We're afraid to share, oftentimes, because we think if I get transparent, be vulnerable, this might change the way that person feels about me. Maybe they won't love me if they know that I'm in this space. That's not the heart of the Lord. We're, we're called to journey together. We're called to learn, which means receiving, sharing. And then as these things begin to become concrete, this, these discipleship realities we're positioned then to give it away to the world, right? 
which we're going to see that God wants us to literally make disciples of all the nations of the earth. That's, I mean, that's not a pipe dream. That's His mission. That's His great commission. So last week as we look at, looked at this whole concept of the pastoral heart of, the, of God, we saw in Matthew 9.36 where there was these multitudes that Jesus had compassion for. Right? He was moved in His heart for these myriads and multitudes of people, yet He, with the heart of a shepherd, cared about the one, the individual. He wasn't after some, you know, degree of ministry success through numbers. No, He saw the multitudes, but His heart just burned for an individual, for the one person. And if it can start with one, it can never be stopped. Do you see that? Like if one person can get it, and Jesus knew that. That's why he, he assimilated unto himself 12 people that he poured his life into. He knew that he only had himself so much capacity to give away to other people that he called unto himself 12 and said, God, if you give me 12, I can do this. I can disciple these men. You know, it's interesting. There's seven point, this is crazy. 7.5 billion people on the planet right now. The most populated number that this planet has ever held in its history. 7.5 billion people. But what's crazy is God knows and thinks about and is passionately consumed to see each single one of those 7.5 billion people touched. Incredible to me. Incredible. The capacity of God to love 7.5 billion and long in His heart to see every single one of them touched by His glory. It's His pastoral heart. But discipleship or teaching them, putting them into a space where they can become learners Go hand to hand. Because listen, this is an important principle. If we don't, at the end of the day, want to help somebody to see them become who God intended for them to be, we really don't have compassion. I mean, you can look at the homeless person or, you know, someone in a broken state in their marriage or, you know, someone struggling financially or someone just, you know, still, you know, plagued by realms of the heart that just haven't come into a space of healing. And you could say, man, I really have compassion. But at the end of the day, if you don't practically want to step out and help, it's just words. So the heart of the Father, as we see through the ministry of Jesus in Matthew 9:36, as He saw the multitudes, He had compassion on them because they were what? Confused? And helpless. That's where discipleship comes in. Now, I just I just want to preface this. I think there's been a lot of abuse, unfortunately, in discipleship. Good intentions starting out, but then it ends up being weird and controlling. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about washing people's feet. Serving them with no other agenda. Not for what we can get from anybody, but just to give away the love of God that we've received for ourselves. 
And that has to be, again, received. It's a two-way street. You can't mandate or force that on anybody. None of you are sitting in the seats this morning in the Harbor Church because we manipulated you to come. You came in your own volition. And that's a sobering thing to me. It's like, wow, God, you know, these people are submitting and putting their hearts before us. That's sobering out of their own volitional intention. Remember Jesus in Matthew 28? We've read this scripture a million gazillion times, and we're just going to dive in here this morning. He came and told his disciples, the ones that he had been pouring his, his life into. Pause right here. The reason Jesus was able to teach somebody else and put them in a space where they could learn is because for 30 years he had been a learner himself. 30 years learning from the Father. Learning from culture and society. He had his eyes open and he was aware. But he tells them, and this is where we see the transfer of authority. And I, we're in this open heavens kind of month where we're just launching up the new year. Just trying to bring some stuff to you. Where, where I was just thinking about this this morning. I want you to grasp. The transfer of authority that has taken place from Jesus to His church, to us, to change the world. And it's right here. He says, he says to them, listen guys, I have been given all authority. Come on, let's shout out all. Ready? One, two, three. All authority. That is crazy. Like not just 10% or 20 or 80, but all authority. 100%. It's even more profound when he says in heaven and on the earth. So right where you live, guys. All up in your world. All up in what's going on in your hearts, your personal lives, your family, your friends. In, 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 in Israeli culture and in the dynamics of what's happening with Rome. Like all authority has been given to me in heaven and in that space. But here's the transfer of authority right here in verse 19. He says, now therefore, and the language in the Greek reads like this, I've been given this, now I'm transferring this authority to you. Go and make disciples. Learners who can receive and share life with other people and ultimately give what they've received for themselves away to the rest of the world. There's a strategic approach here. When you're talking about 7.5 billion people... How with God's compassion for them, which His longing is going to ultimately reach them or give them the opportunity to, to receive the beauty of what was paid for on the cross. It's strategic. It's systematic. It's got to start with one person, then go to two, then go to twelve, then go to seventy, then go to one twenty, then go to three thousand, then... Nations. I want to take one minute. I want to break this down for you here, this word nations. Did you know that in the world today, there are 193 geopolitical nations in the world? I've been to 25 of them, and I want to go to more because I love studying culture, being in different nations where there's different food and dress and ways of doing life, right? 193. Do you know that there's over 7,106 different languages? 
7,000 plus languages in the world. What's crazy, and this is, this is scientifically true, we all come, all these nations come and are traced back to the same genetic genome. One blood. The whole world is related. Scientists have proven this. Crazy. Yet we're divided up by different geographical, political realities. And we live in these different spaces. But did you know that with, listen to this, you've got to catch this. Because this is how fascinating the heart of God is to, to reach these multitudes. Within these distinct geopolitical cultures, because that's what they are, they're cultures. There are cultures within those cultures. Because the, the word here, when God says, go and make disciples of all nations, the Greek word is the Greek word ethnos, which means ethnocentric people groups or distinct people groups. He's not even talking about geopolitical realities. There are 20 and estimated, this is crazy, an estimated, out of the 193 geopolitical nations within them, there are an estimated 24,000 people groups. Nations. Distinct people groups within nations. Did you know within the, the languages, the 7,000 plus languages, that there's 39,491 dialects? I'm saying all this to say that languages shape culture. And culture shapes established or sets in place established belief systems. You know, when we get up here and we say words like transformed people, transforming culture, that's not just a cool catchphrase for us. That's a cultural lingual reality that we hope will come and begin to shape and move things in your heart so that you understand the culture of what God is trying to build within us. Language affects culture. Culture is all about, at the end of the day, what we believe. How we believe. I mean, we're super collaborative in this region. I want to see all the churches and leaders and, and people, you know, join together, unified together for what God is calling us to do to touch this, this, this area called South Florida. And yet I know specifically within it, we have a specific, specific assignment, which means that we have to have a specific culture with specific language to be specifically intentional. Harbor Life is one of the, the ways that we're... we're we're given instruction along these lines. But these learners, verse 20, he says, you need to teach these new disciples, these learners, to obey. Now, I want to just, I want to show you this right here quickly. Um, to obey, it's, it's not like, you have to do this. The, the word literally means to observe, to learn, to watch. And, and it even moves a little further, to guard from this thing that's being presented to you, from being lost. 
Do you understand, like sometimes even in these moments on a Sunday morning, I'm like, God, you've given us and the other teachers these treasures, and we're putting them out there, and I want them to just open up their hearts, God, please, in the name of Jesus, so that they can see what you're trying to say to them, and really open up and be able to, to hear and to learn and to guard anything that would try to come in to keep what is being presented from being lost. That's why, man, I'm, I'm, I'm aware there can be things that we say that can trigger you to just, well, that's it, I'm cutting this, this person off right now from speaking any further to my heart because they've said this or they said that or they didn't say this or they didn't say that. Remember early on when I was started traveling overseas, I tried to bring the humor, you know, that, that especially... Few, ten years ago, I was a lot funnier than I am today. But but I was try, I would try to translate. How many of you know that that humor really doesn't translate across culture? You know, I'd be a, I'd say some of these people would be. A, in fact, they'd get offended actually most of the time at what I try to say. It doesn't translate. And you have to you have to really you have to really have a love for people to to you know I mean Paul and the the, the apostles they were masters at this like. They knew culture. They, they knew the language of those cultures. Maybe not literally, but they understood the belief systems and what was going on there. And they would, they would use the momentum of those angles to present truth. Do you remember Paul even on, the, on Mars Hill? You know, they're worshiping all these gods. And instead of like, you idiots, like how could you be so stupid to worship all these idols? You know, he, he says, over here you have this inscription to this unknown god. And it's to him who I want to present to you today. Like powerful wisdom. To get people in a space to where they can begin to hear. To begin to open their hearts up. And he tells these disciples, listen, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now that's not the explosion of the world from a nuclear bomb by Kim Jong-un. Okay? What it's talking about there is, I'm with you. Matthew 24, 14 says, The gospel of the kingdom, the rule of the Father, shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, all people groups, and then the end shall come. Meaning there is the desired aim of the Father shall manifest. <laughs> Hopeful. Yes, challenges. Yes, there'll be wars. Yes, there'll be rumors of wars. Yes, there'll be ups and downs in economy. But at the end of the day, we are sticking true to this manifestation of the Great Commission that the Holy Spirit is with us to see the rule of heaven come to the earth and the desired aim of the Father to see disciples made of all the nations of the earth. All the commands. What's he talking about there? The word commands is the word enjoin, which means, and I'm going somewhere with this, hold with me, to direct or impose by authoritative order. To be brought into union with a common mission via judicial decree. In other words, there is a language from heaven that we don't understand yet, that we're all learning. There is a culture of heaven that we're having to reorientate ourselves to because of the particular culture that we have been raised up in may not exactly align with that. How many of you understand those things? 
Like we think, oh, the American culture is a Christian culture. I don't know if it is. It for sure isn't right now. So what are we thinking? What are we believing? What, are we, what have we been brought up in? What has shaped us in a beautiful way? And in maybe a way where there's ungodly belief systems that need to be torn down, that need to be dismantled. Are you following me? There's beauty in culture. We are going to celebrate culture. How many of you know every nation and every people group is beautiful to God? Every nation. Every people group. God looks at all of them in beauty. But there's also brokenness in culture that He wants to reorient and bring His kingdom culture into that space to make that culture flourish under the gospel, right? What is this judicial order? I want to show you this quickly and then we're going to close and wrap up. The judicial order that's been levied from heaven that we're disciple people in is this. Not guilty, declared innocent. That's it. We're not talking, well, Darren, I don't know how to disciple all these nations. I don't understand all the complex anthropological insights to, to solve this complexity. You know, I was, I was up at a missions conference supporting Adam and Kelly who were going off to Cambodia. I was up in Merritt Island. And the, the, the founder of that missions organization was talking about all the tribes in Africa that he deals with. And with each one, there's cultural complexities with, within each tribe. And he was talking about how in, in, in one of the cultures of this tribe, that the king can, can never, ever um, bow or kneel in front of anybody else. And actually, he was saying that in that culture, that the people to show honor and respect to this king, they would roll before the king back and forth across his, in his presence. And so he's trying to have this meeting, this Christian meeting. The king is like seated up higher than everybody else. And then these people are rolling. And he said, he said listen, I honor and respect you as a king, but there's only one king in this space, and his name is Jesus. And this guy did something unprecedented that had never happened in the history of this tribe before. He actually got before the people and he bowed his knee to the name of the Lord Jesus that broke something open over his tribe that brought all these people who were unreached at the time who had never heard the gospel of Jesus because there was one bold leader that decided to come to him by the grace of God in a certain angle and reveal to him a kingdom culture. So this judicial order. Now we see this in Romans 5, and I don't know if I'll read the whole thing, but you've got to catch this, and you go and research this on your own, read it on your own. But in chapter 5, verses 12 through 21, it says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. That is a reality. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. So there was an issue that happened way back when that some people are trying to debunk and say that was never even real. It was just a myth that's made up. No, it happened. It literally took place. And verse 13 says, yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Now, there's something to this law thing, and we'll hit it at the end. Verse 14, still everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not obey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who is yet to come. Verse 15, but look at this. But there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. The sin of one man, Adam, brought death to many. But we've got to catch this. 
even greater. When we're looking at the situations in the world and the ramifications of brokenness that entered in to this space called human existence, you have to understand that yes, that is reality. But there is a greater reality than anything. And it is unable to prevail in any way against what Jesus Christ has done upon the cross. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of forgiveness to through the other, through the other man, Jesus Christ. This is how we're going to make disciples. We're going to teach them to open their hearts and to not miss this beautiful gospel of what Christ accomplished on the cross. Now here's the deal. You gotta get this. Because obeying God's law does not make us righteous. The blood of Jesus makes us righteous and empowers us to obey God's law. Massive difference. Massive difference. The blood of Jesus makes you righteous, empowers you, graces you, enables you to not do what we used to do. How did this happen? Behind the scenes, quickly. Revelation chapter 5, verses 6. John is taken to this place where he sees this event going on. He said, I saw this lamb that looked at it as if it had been slaughtered. You got to look at this language. This is profound. But now was standing between the throne, the seat of authority over all of heaven and all of earth. And the four living creatures. Now, this is kind of interesting. Isn't this kind of interesting language? Like, Four living, that sounds so strange. The point is, is that these were beings that have always existed, are existing, and forever will exist in this realm called heaven, which is outside of this time and space. I'm talking about another, another realm, another dimension. So, the seat of authority and these ones who live in this culture and have for timeless existence that get the language, that understand the heart of the Father perfectly, Jesus comes and stands right in between them, and it says that he's, that he's um, among, look at the verse here, the 24 elders. In other words, Jesus, who came from that realm, from that culture, now has made his home among us and identifies and stands with these 24 apostles of the Lamb or disciples. I love the, the imagery here. Because there's the seat of authority, there's these ones that speak a certain language and understand the culture fully, yet Jesus is right in the midst of these humans that God wants to use to transform the planet by giving away what they've received to other people. Now it says that he had seven horns, seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God. It's just talking about his power and authority and perfection. Now look what it says in verse 7. We're wrapping up here. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the, this is crazy because this is the father. This is the one, this is the one who is seated in a place of authority. And he's able, as he identifies with, the, with humanity, to, to stand between 
the, the beings that live and exist in, in this culture and the one who rules over it. And he goes and he takes from him the scroll that has this judicial decree that's over all of us. You are not guilty. You are declared innocent. And he takes that scroll. And not only does he take that scroll, but, but he actually breaks it open. And when this happens, the four living beings and the 24 elders fall down before the Lamb. They're in awe of this. Oh my God, what's going on? And it says in verse 9, look at this, that they sing a new song with these words. In other words, heaven and earth and the language of both of those spaces come into a new place of union and agreement and they're singing one common language and a new song. That says, you are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tongue, tribe, and people on the earth. Now, that is not, that is not just reserved for, that's a picture for us to see. Like, we don't understand that Jesus right now, and Revelation says this, is walking among the lampstands, among the candlesticks. What's he talking about there? He's in the midst of the churches. Do you understand? He's with us. He's with us now. He's not absent from this building. By His presence, the Spirit of God living on the inside of you, He is walking among us. He's standing in the midst of us, identifying with us in our journey. Trying to get us to understand this revelation, but not only understand it, but walk it out in our day-in, day-out life. And man, he's like, if you could just see what has taken place, that decree that's been issued from heaven by the Father, I've taken that, and I've opened it in your midst, and if you could just, like we were singing about today, could just fall down and begin with this, worship me, understand who I am, understand what I've done. I was talking to this guy who, who was going to do some work on our house, and he said, Man, I just believe God is, you know, God is one God. He manifests Himself in all these different people and, and realities. And I, I just said to him, no, no, that sounds good. But there's only one that was able to go before that throne and take that judicial decree out of the hands of the Father and stand in the midst of humanity and identify with our week-in, week-out, day-in, day-out struggle and yet say, listen, I've decreed this over you. You are no longer guilty. You are declared innocent. Well, God, sometimes I don't feel like that. Yes, that may be true, but you need to continue to open your heart and receive you need to walk with a family and, and work this struggle out and say, man, what in the world is going on where this word is not manifesting in me? And verse 10, look at this, because here, this is, not, this is not like wishful thinking. It says in verse 10, and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will what? Reign over the earth. Well, maybe that's reserved just for full-time pastoral ministry. No! He's talking about the saints, the multitudes that were confused and helpless. Where there was this heart of God that was burning for them. And He wanted to see them learn and obey this wonderful mystery called Emmanuel, God Himself in the flesh, coming to the earth and standing between culture of heaven and all the cultures of the people groups of the earth. Because he didn't want to recognize the beauty of the nations. Quite the contrary. 
Verse 11 says, And I looked again and heard the voices, the languages of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and living beings and the elders. And they were all singing in this mighty chorus and were all speaking the same language. Worthy. Come on, go with me here. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, and glory, and blessing on the earth. They were all falling down and they were worshiping the Lamb. What if that had happened in this life, in this place called South Florida? What if there was a people that grabbed a hold of what transpired on that cross? It's going gonna, it's gonna to take place. I mean, Revelation 7, verse 9, he saw it there. It says that John, when he saw this vast crowd, too great to count from every people group, every tribe, every language, all of them that carry beauty, no nation less beautiful than any other nation, no people less beautiful than any other people, no race or ethnicity any less beautiful than any other race or ethnicity. There was value in all of these lives. And all of them, none left out, were standing before the throne of God. Because there were mentors raised up gave their lives away to other people that were willing to receive. And there were friends that said, hey, I'm going to stand with you in your dark hour. And then out of that, there was hope that was birthed to give away the beauty that we've... I mean, gosh, I think about it. Almost 30 years I've been walking with the Lord. I feel like, wow, God, there's some, I have a confidence in my heart. There's some things that I really have to give away. And I had a false humility there that I was like, well, let me just be silent. Let me be quiet. No, I'm going to lift up my voice right now. I have some things to say. To break the power of offense over people's lives. To see beautiful marriages established. To see leaders raised up and go into the marketplace and make a difference. I have some things to say. And I say that in humility, but it's been a process of me grabbing a hold of God. But you carry this too. So Lord, before your throne. Thank you that Jesus is standing in our midst. That his compassion for us wasn't just words. But you came to teach us so that we could learn. That we could grab hold and not lose sight or miss this moment of a judicial decree that's been declared before the foundations of the earth, but for sure 2,000 years ago, that we are no longer guilty. We are declared innocent. And we may have to give up our language, our belief systems that don't align with yours. But yet you know our story. Come on, listen, there's some people in this room, you don't need to be ashamed of your story. 
You don't need to be ashamed of your nation. You don't need to be ashamed of, of, of your journey, for it was beautiful to God. And He'll take all of that and He's going to turn it for His glory. I was raised in the inner city. I was raised in this nation. I was raised in this situation in my family. Darren, I was raised. This happened to me when I was a kid. Darren, this... No, listen. It's, it's part of the beautiful redemption. God's working in you, through you, to send you back into those tribes, those languages. To now you stand before the heavenly host and the Lord himself on the throne. And you take that judicial decree that's been now opened. It's no longer sealed. It's open to us to share. Can you see that? up disciples. Pray with me. Raise up disciples that will make disciples. God, set something in motion. There's an open heaven here today. Set something in motion that can never be stopped. Let us have a heart that's open to receive. Any and all hindrances leaving right now, going. God, where we can receive. Let us have an ability to trust you that you'll never lead us astray. You'll never put us in a bad space where we'll miss, God, your intended purpose for us. Lord, come. Look up here. Did you know right now there's 2 billion believers on the planet? 7.5 billion total people. If each believer reached three other people, all 7.5 billion would know the Lord. We're not talking about something that's not doable. But every believer has to be activated. So would you stand as we just say activate today? lift up our hands. Lord, we want to be activated. We want to be disciples that make disciples. God, give us compassion for the multitudes, but let that compassion be realized by doing something about it. And first of all, that means letting you in and then giving away what we've received. Well, Darren, I don't have that much to give away. Maybe, but you have something to give away. Give it away. Lord, just utilize and release and open heaven in this moment to release us into a new realm of discipleship. In Jesus' name. And everybody said...